with a look back over the weekend sport action. This is Full Time on KCLR. Welcome along to Full Time with myself, Sinead Kyo. Hope you're all doing well on this Monday evening. Lots and lots to uh, come over the next hour. Of course, we were treated to some great games in the Kilkenny Club Championship over the weekend. We're going to be talking about the Premier Junior semi-finals. We'll also discuss the intermediate semi-finals and that uh, semi-final between Shamrocks and Tullerone as well. That's all to come between now and seven o'clock. I'm also going to be speaking to Gary Kyo as well from the Marble City Boxing Club. We saw the return of the Marble City League on Friday and that's going to be going on until I think the 6th of December. So Gary will be telling us uh, all about that and all of those great fights that are coming up over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're also going to hear as well from the Kilkenny Athletics PRO, Perry Williams as well. The cross-country county championships have been played over the last three weekends. So lots to discuss there. Looking forward to that chat. Uh, now, I did just mention there all of the games that were played out over the weekend in the Kilkenny Club Championship. And I am delighted to be joined on the line now by Aidan Taggy Fogarty to, to, to talk through some of those games. He was uh, calling some of those for us. So delighted to be talking to Aidan. Aidan, now, how are you getting on, Aidan? Okay, uh, we'll get back to Aidan now in a couple of moments' time. Uh, just before we do that, I, I did speak to uh, Adrian Ronnie Ronan just before coming on air as well. Uh, we were discussing the senior game between Tullerone and Shamrocks. Uh, I was saying to Adrian that uh, it was a game that definitely did not disappoint. It was as what a lot of observers and uh, critics thought it would be. It was a very close, uh, intense, intense game, plenty of intensity. Uh, plenty of quality hurling as Kilkenny and Shamrocks and Tullerone have in abundance because there was at least 10 or 12 Kilkenny senior hurling panellists uh, playing on the day so that obviously brought the quality and um, the bookies had uh, the Shamrocks so hot favourites 10 to 1 they were which was unreal to think that they were 10 to 1 on Shamrocks but Tullerone took no heed of that they put up a brilliant performance now however the brilliant performance is no good to Tullerone today because they very much expected to win they came in full of confidence uh, they were league champions and they didn't have any fear of playing the Valley Hair Shamrock so they'll be seriously disappointed uh, I met one of their management today and um, you know they're very they're very disappointed because they knew they were hurling so well they knew that maybe just maybe Shamrocks weren't fired on all cylinders and as we now know Shamrocks on the day Colin Fenley chipped in with 1-3 he's getting better and stronger from every every game he plays because he's back from America since maybe the end of August so he has a month's hurling now under his belt and along with the usual troops of course TJ pulling the strings And but on the day Adrian Mullen and Cody as main forwards were, were quite but was Colin Fenley turned up and delivered the goods on the scoreboard so as you do or as often happens with Shamrocks you might hold one or two but you have to remember there are six of them or seven of them always dangerous so in this particular day it was uh, Colin Fenley came up with the trumps and scored in one three from play yeah and that's it like you know you're you're talking about trying to curtail some of their performances but there's so many others then uh, it, it, from from a Shamrock's point of view uh, it's very very hard to keep them all quiet um, but like you, you did say there that uh, Tullerone that they did have a confidence going into that game and in fairness Ronnie you know they had uh, like they were right to be confident because the form that they've showed in the championship this year has been unbelievable yeah no and again we mentioned that 
and anyone follows Tullerone their spine is excellent you know when you look down to their spine their team Tommy Welch see, Junior Parik Welch Martin Keown and then Shane Welch you know when you look down to their team there's four Kilkenny senior panelists so the matchups were very strong they were very good Shane Welch again continuing his great vein of form he was excellent all day from freezing from playing very busy uh, Mossy chipped in with one two Dylan Simpson chipped in with four points and on the day you know Tullerone had a few chances and critically maybe from about the 12th minute of the second half to the 16th minute uh, there was five maybe six minutes there they had four what they would consider very good chances of points uh, they didn't take them there was dubious call that maybe one or two might have even been over uh, on the day uh, depending on what side of the goal you're on or what side of the defence you're on but they had chances to bring back the game level uh, heading into the final 10 minutes and those chances I think uh, unfortunately missed at the time obviously just made it more difficult for him and then as we know Shamrock seen it out but Tullerone had a great year but look again a great year is no good to anyone when you're so close they as I said were full of confidence they expected maybe to cause an upset they didn't they'll take some heart from it that you know again they're blooding you know they brought on Garrow Dunn a young minor from last year he's added huge potential to the team Joe Cockton his first year Hurland senior and their two cornerbacks young Luby and Josh Moore so they're getting more experience they're, they're, they're going to be a better team than they were this year they're better than they were last year so that means Tullerone are going in the right direction but for the minute it's uh, Ballyhale Shamrocks but they'll have plenty to do against uh, the village on Sunday and Ronnie what was it about uh, Shamrock's performance yesterday do you think that just gave them the edge over Tullerone like I know you mentioned on the commentary uh, yesterday that you know they just kind of from the very beginning they came with that intensity do you think that Tullerone maybe just weren't able to quite keep up with their pace uh, on the day Sinead really I suppose um the Shamrock's group this particular group are, are very driven as we know they're going for five in a row that's a huge achievement for this group of players because you know they may not be saying it in the dressing room it may not be mentioned in the dressing room but as a, an individual or as a team I'm sure it has to be mentioned somewhere and they're possibly about to create history for their club the Shamrocks Ballyhale there have been some tremendous hurdlers in Ballyhale are in the Shamrocks for the last 50 years and some great teams And um, but this particular team have a chance to make huge history and that's driving them on uh, being the first Shamrocks team to do a five in a row is a massive doing it and trying to do it in the, their 50th anniversary year and then trying to match 20 titles to match Tullerone's uh, the top team in Kilkenny so there's a lot going on for that group of players and yesterday yeah they're down a few players and you know they're down a few players and they can't afford to be down a few players they're, no, they're down the likes of well, Darren Mullen played yesterday they're down Joey Cuddy was back yesterday down Brian Cody um, and Kevin Mullen and a few so look they're getting some of them players back every week as a help to them a week's rest this week you know may not be enough for Paddy Mullen he's missing he pulled or hurted his calf the previous day but look they're a driven outfit uh, and obviously a winning outfit and that's what's uh, driving them over the line as I said along with obviously the class that they have Joey Holden they're spying again Richie TJ and Colin Fenley that's before you ever you mentioned the likes of Adrian Mullen and Owen Cody Ronan Corkin Evan Shefflin popping over these two points Dara Corkin went back left half back was excellent so when you go down through their team 
um, Sinead look this quality there's at least 10 Kilkenny senior panellists present or past you know what I mean mm-hmm. look that's a serious that's a serious number of players to have you know uh, on a Kilkenny senior hurling panel of 30-35 people Yeah and, and the funny thing about it as well Ronnie is that they did you know stumble their way through the league but they now they now seem to be peaking just when it matters you know um, it kind of uh, you sort of can draw some parallels there to, to Limerick last year you know really poor league campaign but then uh, then they peaked at the right time then went on to win the All-Ireland so you know these fellas know what they're doing the management team know what they're doing as well don't they? Well strangely Sinead the Shamrock team for the last 50 years that was the ball was done uh, the ball was an often uh, struggled and stuttered through the Lee Energy Kenny Senior Championships and then when it comes to knockout championship they just go into another gear and they've done the very same this year we all say it every year it's a dangerous game to play and yes year in year out they do it and they achieve nine times out of ten they achieve their goal and they, and they, they make the destination and reach their as the holy grail and win in the county final um, they've done it again this year they didn't look impressive they've been down a number of players those players are coming back in every game in the championship yep they've got better they beat Glenmore they beat Clara they beat Tullerone and now they've won more fence to jump one more fence to, to jump and uh, surely there's going to be fireworks at this county final how do you see that one going Adrian? They don't have much of a rest that's uh, probably concern number one for the Shamrocks concern number two is yes they have one or two injuries e.g. Paddy Mullen Brian Cody three they may have a tired uh, group of players however they're they're just small concerns within the group of Valley Hill the only thing here is and the beauty of this is if there's a team in Kilkenny Senior Hurling that love playing the Shamrocks if there's a rivalry that is strong in Kilkenny Hurling it's none better than the Shamrocks and the James Stevens. James Stevens are the kingpins of Kilkenny Hurling also um, uh, while the Shamrocks are have it on, on record as being the better at this stage but there's always a, re- a great healthy rivalry so I would expect fireworks I would expect a quality game and like the last day against Tullerone I expected not to be as clear cut and not as familiar as easy as people might think and um, I expect certainly um, the, the village with a week's rest with, well, with two weeks rest to be that little bit fresher hungrier and you know just maybe just maybe have, it's, you know, it's a free pop here they don't they, they shout, the village you know during the year they played in a relegation only three four weeks ago so they were they were going in another direction three or four weeks they turned their year around they've got better they've improved they've made a few a few positions and changes they've brought back one or two players who hadn't played in the league and yes they'll be quietly confident and they have that confidence so expecting fireworks expecting a very good game and hopefully the weather will stay fine for the week that'll allow uh, the both teams to express themselves if there's a concern I suppose or a a favour for uh, the village they would like a fine day they're a lighter uh, and a less physical team than um, the, than the Shamrocks so the village would like to move the ball quicker and faster they're smaller lighter uh, all over the field so they'd like a nice uh, fine week I'd, I'd suspect uh, to maybe allow them to express themselves to their best yeah, very much looking forward to that one now, uh, Ronnie, next weekend. Uh, just turning our attention just for a moment then as well to the intermediate semi-finals that took place yesterday as well. I know that you were calling those games for us with Eddie Scally. Uh, miserable conditions that they were they were played under. Just looking at the Danes Fort versus uh, Roar in uh, Yeah, really horrible conditions there uh, for, for that game, Ronnie. 
Yeah, no, but yesterday was, wasn't nice for anyone that plays sport yesterday at all levels. There was a lot of a good under-15 matches, camogie matches and senior matches and intermediate matches. And in this case, Nolan Park, to be fair, to give credit to John Coogan and Kevin McGarry, the groundsman in Nolan Park. They had five games in Nolan Park over the weekend and the pitch uh, is immaculate, to be fair to the lads. They had a lot of trouble last year with the pitch and drainage and to be fair to those two guys and the groundsmen and the rest of their, their uh, people, fellow workers. The pitch was in great condition with the weather on top, of course, with heavy rain, didn't wasn't conducive to nice hurling. It was a it was a hard graph for both teams. Dane Fort and the Roaring League had to play a different type of game that they've been used to all year. Based on that, you would have expected maybe the Roar to come out on top because they were more bigger and physical team that turned at half time uh, in a strong position after playing against the wind and they were only two or three points down. And you would have expected the Roar to drive on with the wind and the rain and the elements in their back, but they didn't. Uh, Dan Fort uh, played a very uh, clever game in the second half, playing the ball through the channels, bringing Richie Hogan into it more and playing short ball to Richie. Richie drifted towards his midfielders. He then set up the rest of the players and then the rest of the supporting cast uh, joined uh, Richie. Richie and Paddy Hogan had got all the scores, I think eight points in the first half. Richie had got seven, Paddy got one. And between Paddy and Richie, and Paddy in particular made two great saves in the second half as well. And then Paul Murphy's influence. And when you speak about Dane's fourth, look, it's always Paddy, Richie and Paul Murphy over the last 10, 15 years. I know that for a fact I was involved with Dane's fourth for a few years. And those three guys are massive leaders. And massive leaders for Dane's fort and Kenny in the past and they weren't again they did it yesterday and the supporting cast are excellent Colin Feenan chipped in with two or three points Ben Whitty and Jack Bruton and Robbie Welsh all chipped in and all over the field but that at the back uh, Darrow O'Neill was excellent Des Dunn did a great job on Darrow Joyce so again they'll be very happy they're in a, a final they were relegated two years ago and they went down in a relegation final to Greg Valley Callan shot Richie Hogan and to be fair to them they're bounced back and they now have a great chance they believe to bounce back up senior again it won't be easy of course because they have to play their warm favourites Thomastown but after yesterday's board performances in the weather that we had there won't be much in it because as I said Thomastown weren't allowed hurl uh, like they were, like they had hope for against mm-hmm. Carrick Shock either. So yeah. a very interesting game. But having said that, though, I think the Thomastown versus Carrick Shock it, it did make for a better contest. It was more enjoyable uh, from a spectator's point of view. I think the the conditions maybe didn't have the same impact on that game um, as the the other semi final. Would that be fair? Well, as the game went on and, as, and when it started, the conditions were horrible. But Carrick Shock just um, let fly as, and in the old fashioned model, they let fly let fly and uh, they went man to man and they were in Thomastown faces and they asked serious questions of Thomastown for a long time and after 45 minutes you'd suspect the shock was on the cards Carrick shock were a point up they were hurling very well Owen O'Neill was on fire from freeze and play got a brilliant goal they had missed three good chances in the first half of goal chances Carrick shock and a lot of people might have forgotten that they had three excellent chances of goals just the last pass was the wrong pass on each occasion and if they had to get those goals of course they would have asked questions of Thomas Dunn but as we know and talking to Noel Doherty the manager afterwards uh, Thomas Dunn reacted brilliantly and showed massive character because that group of players have been questioned over the last couple of years and in the semi-final last year against Glenmore might have wilted and, but they didn't yesterday they actually got better in the last 15 minutes that goal that um, Jack uh, Holden ended up getting 
uh, turned the game and um, from then on it was all Thomas Down and they seen it out but a massive win for that group of players and for that group of players character and spirit but again no good they've won nothing there's no cups being handed out yesterday for a semi-final so again in this case they have a huge ask it's a great final um, uh, it's Thomas Town versus Dane's Fort it's probably what a lot of people might have thought at the beginning of the year it was the league final performance it was the league final pairing and um, it'll be a great final for sure as I said because at the beginning of the year both, both a lot of people would have thought both these teams were going to be there or thereabouts and, and they rightly are now yeah, looking forward to all those games coming up now uh, in the, the junior, the intermediate and the senior. So lots of games there to look forward to, Ronnie. Uh, pleasure as always to chat to you. And uh, look, I'll be sure. talking to you again very soon, I'm sure. Thanks so much for that, Ronnie. Thanks very much, Sinead. That was uh, Adrian, Ronnie, Ronan there speaking to me just off air just before uh, the show started. I'm going to take a quick ad break now and coming up after the ad break, I am joined on the line now by by Aidan Taggy-Fogarty. So um, we'll hear from him just after these. Full time on KCLR. With thanks to the full range of Skoda vehicles at La Hearts, the home of Skoda in Kilkenny, lahartsskoda.ie. Full time on KCLR. With thanks to the full range of Skoda vehicles at La Hearts, the home of Skoda in Kilkenny, lahartsskoda.ie. Welcome back to Full Time. Now, just before I go to Taggy Fogarty, I just want to um, read out a text that we've just got in there to say that there has been a crash this evening on St. Stephen's Street near the Garda Station in Kilkenny City. Uh, KCLR listeners are reporting severe traffic disruption there. Uh, Garda said to avoid the area if possible. Um, So that text has just come in there. So do make sure to take care if you're driving around that area. Now, um, I should be joined on the line now by uh, Aidan Taggy Fogarty. Aidan, are you there? Hi, Sinead. How are Hi, you? how are you? It took a while, but uh, glad to be joined on the line by you now. Um, Aidan, great matches over the weekend. Uh, as I mentioned there, just at the start of the show, and I was speaking to Adrian, Ronnie Ronan uh, there just before performing on air as well. Uh, lots lots and lots of games there, both in the senior, the intermediate and the junior. But I know that you were looking at some of those junior matches. Uh, we'll start first with um, the, the game there, the semi-final between Winegap and the Borough. Lots of drama there in that one. Yeah, they're watching it. Um, I was in there all day on, on the Saturday, the second half of the Dixborough the and the Wine Gap game. And uh, to be fair, all day Saturday this didn't disappoint in terms of excitement. Um, the two junior games, I felt, you know, they're a bit um, maybe low in intensity, but as regards excitement, uh, Sinead, it was, it was unbelievable. Um, I felt Wine Gap in the, in, the, in the first 60 minutes, that went all the way, that went all the way to penalties. And in the first 60 minutes, I think Wine Gap were probably the better team. And they were, they were six points up with about seven or eight minutes to go. And I felt that they were just kind of seeing the game out and they got a little bit nervous and that they were kind of saying, right, look, we'll, we'll, um, we'll drop back and we'll, and we'll just keep uh, Dixborough at arm's length. But that didn't happen. And uh, Dixborough got a late goal and took it, to, took it to extra time. And then in the extra time, there was 20 minutes extra time, in the extra time, Dixborough were actually the better team. And they came, they came at Wine Gap, um, all guns blazing. They went three or four points up. Uh, but instead of the Wine Gap, they got, a, they got a late goal, literally on the 18th minute of that extra time got a late goal and, and, and drove the penalties and that was my first time uh, ever seeing penalties in um, in, in, in club hurling and in any kind of hurling to be honest and uh, it was just the guard excitement it was just uh, it was just an unbelievable game and unfortunately um, for Dixborough they went out they missed uh, they missed their two penalties 
Yeah, and what do you think of that? I suppose that was the big talking point from that semi-final was, uh, you know, it going to a penalty shootout and whether it should have gone to a penalty shootout um, or, or not. Um, what what do you think about, like, you know, there was a lot of kind of discussion around that. Uh, uh, what what do you make of that, uh, Taggy? Yeah, look, in terms, look, I think today, look, it brought in really around COVID times and around uh, getting fixtures played off <clears throat> and not having time to play matches. So I think it actually came in, uh, I think around the first COVID um, two years ago and it was basically brought in so that games uh, couldn't be replayed because they didn't have uh, time in the calendar fixture. So they went with the extra time and then they went to penalty. Personally, uh, Sinead, I would not like to lose on penalties. I would not like to go out in a championship Championship semi-final, count semi-final, to lose on penalties, it's devastating. It is absolutely devastating. So I think in terms of players and as teams, I wouldn't like going out on penalties. But in terms of excitement and in terms of something different, to, like I was up there in that on the grass looking at down, looking down at uh, from Nolan Park, and uh, in terms of excitement, it did not. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's brilliant to look at, but unfair on the players I think I think after extra time they could have uh, had replay the week after that would be my, my take on it Yeah and it was that thing of as well as like I was listening to Martin on the commentary and you know they didn't you know is this going to go to penalties or is there going to be a replay so I'm sure the players were in the same position it maybe came as a shock to them that it had to go to penalties so there's that element to it you know it's the surprise factor and then you're looking at how tired they must be as well after playing a full 60 mil- minutes of normal time and playing a uh, you know, ten minutes each side uh, of extra time, and then going to the the penalty shootout. Then, so there's a lot of pressure there, uh, a lot of nerves, I'm sure, and it's that whole element of of surprise as well, because I'm sure a lot of them didn't know that 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 was going to be the case. The game was going to be decided by penalties until they were told, you know, uh, once the the final whistle went there in extra time, that that was that's what was going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. He hit the nail on the head and uh, the players were dropping like flies. They were getting cramps. They, they were so tired in, in extra time. You could see them. They were, they were missing pot shots. They, they were just dropping like flies. And the thing with penalties there, you know, in terms of players taking a penalty, like in training, club training, you might have your free taker practicing a few penalties at the end of training. And that, and that is it. And literally, you, you as a player, otherwise than that, you do not think about taking a penalty. Next thing you're trying to end the count semi-final, and you haven't shook a free never mind a penalty you haven't shook a free all year for your club you could be coming, you could be coming off the bench as, as a sub or else you could be after playing 80 minutes of hurling you could be absolutely wrecked and you know if it came down to the white as it always does in penalties and if you have the last uh, strike to, to win the game or lose the game and if you're a 19 year old lad or a 20 year old lad and you drive that ball wide well I tell you you're going home with your head fairly down and you're, you're fairly sick and it's, it's, it's too much pressure I think for our young lads and it's so important this time of year for semi-finals and you, can be, you could actually imagine that in a county final you could spend 10 years trying to get to a county final and next thing you could have a young lad going up missing a penalty and you talk about mental health and you know actually today I think it could be actually mental health day I'm not too sure but um, you talk about all that side of things and the pressure of that and missing a penalty you'd be fairly down on yourself never mind losing the game 15 on 15 um, but losing a pe- but missing a penalty like that is just devastating for a player to take uh, personally if you understand that Sinead and it's, yeah uh, absolutely it's, yeah. It's a, fierce, it's a fierce pressure on them and exactly as you said 
the players, I don't know whether they knew, but we certainly didn't know in the stands. We were looking around, we were, we were looking over our shoulders, and eventually came through that it was going to penalties. Uh, but very nerve-wracking, an awful lot of pressure, and I suppose, yeah, it's exciting, and it, it's brilliant for the supporters maybe, but for a player, and as a young lad, and even an older fella, you know, maybe maybe last year playing club and he missed the penalty, and he's playing for the last 15 or 16 years, it's an awful way to go out. Yeah, it did. But look, the, the the long and the short of it, anyway, is that uh, the wine gap are true to uh, a Premier Junior final, um, and they're going to be facing black and whites in that final. We spoke about the drama that we had there um, in the first game. Equal amounts of drama uh, in that game, black and whites versus Piltown. Yeah, it was it was, uh, it was a phenomenal uh, swing of events, really. Um, I actually covered this game, the, the, all of this game, uh, Sinead, on, on Saturday. And Piltown, for me, uh, were the better side. And I don't think Baxter and White will uh, put up their arms against that. Um, Piltown had two penalty chances. Uh, one, uh, actually, the goalkeeper came up, James Norris, and he, he missed it. And then they got a second chance, and Ronan Ryan uh, drove it wide as well. So that, that, there was two very scoreable chances. And I think they missed at least about three more scoreable goal chances. Now, in fairness, Keelan O'Grady in the Blacks and Whites goal he pulled off two fantastic saves to deny Piltown uh, two more two more goal opportunities but for me Piltown definitely missed four scoreable chances uh, but Blacks and Whites hung on they they, they, they kept their nerve uh, all them chances that Piltown missed left Blacks and Whites in the game and next thing the last couple of minutes of the game there was a long ball to the square um, there was a penalty for Blacks and Whites and, and uh, the, the goalkeeper James Norris had to go off injured and the, the star player actually Ronan Ryan who was playing very well in midfield had to go into the goal um, for the last couple of minutes and that was a massive turning point uh, so Black and White scored the goal and came down the field then again and scored 1-1 to, uh, to beat uh, to beat Piltown by just a point and it was actually the substitute I think it was Aaron Forley came on and caught the ball and put it in the back of the net but Ronan Ryan probably wasn't used to playing the goal at all because it looked as if they had no second keeper because he was playing midfield playing really really well um, you know, he, he was doing all the scoring for Piltown as far as I could see, and actually he had to end up in the goal because um, James Norris had to go off injured. So, Blacks and Whites just kept in the game, and the last couple of minutes they scored 1 1 to win by a pint. You know, a massive turn of events, and they were absolutely delighted and over the moon. And Piltown were devastated, they were on their hands and knees, and they just couldn't believe what's after happening. Yeah, I heard that, and, and like, you know, I know that Piltown would definitely would have been the favourites going into that game, um, but uh, all credit to, to Black. The, the blacks and whites as well because uh, I think this is going to be their first final appearance now since 2009 so Robbie was describing the scenes of jubilation uh, after the final whistle so uh, definitely looking forward to that final now between blacks and whites and um, and, and wine gap how do you see that going just to finish off uh, there now with you uh, Aidan how do you see that uh, that final going who would you be tipping for that yeah, look, I suppose most people looking in were probably looking at Wine Gap in the Piltown final. Uh, so Blacksmith Heights are probably in bonus territory and that's not to say that they're, they're lucky to be there but they're in bonus territory. Um, just looking at the two games on Saturday, I felt Wine Gap had a little bit more hurry in them. They moved the ball a little bit quicker and they, they, they looked a little bit more livelier. So if I was to call it now, I'd be probably saying Wine Gap. But Sir County finals are different. The fish, it's going to be two more two weeks time, the 23rd of um, October. The conditions are going to be a little bit heavier. It could be raining, which is suits back and whites or big, strong, physical men. So I'd be probably tipping Wine Gap, but it should it should hold up for, for a good final, to be fair. But back to whites will probably be in bonus territory, really, and I'd fancy Wine Gap. Yeah, definitely looking forward uh, to, to that final now. Uh, listen, thanks so much. It took a little while to get you up on the line. Uh, my apologies for the, the technical issues there, Taggy, but uh, lovely chatting to you. And look, we'll, we'll talk to you again very soon, please, Scott.
Pleasure, Sinead. Thank All you. right, thanks, Aidan. Uh, that was Aidan uh, Fogarty there talking to me about the Premier Juni- Junior semi-finals. Uh, they're played out on Saturday. We're going to take a quick ad break now. Coming up after the break, I'm going to be speaking all things athletics to Perry Williams. So do stay tuned for that. Full time on KCLOR. With thanks to the full range of Skoda vehicles at La Hearts, the home of Skoda in Kilkenny, lahartsskoda.ie. McDonough Junction Shopping Centre Join us at McDonough Junction this October where our stores are bursting with the latest autumnal looks plus meet the chefs of tomorrow at the Savour Food Festival Young Producers Market on Saturday, October 29th and enjoy our free spectacular Halloween party on the 30th For more info visit mcdonoughjunction.com McDonough Kilkenny, KCLR. Welcome back to Full Time with myself, Sinead Kyo. Now joining me on the line to talk about everything that's happening in the world of athletics in Kilkenny is Kilkenny Athletics PRO, Perry Williams. Perry, you're very welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. Good, good. Uh, Perry, busy couple of weekends for athletics in Kilkenny over the last three weekends, actually, where the cross country is concerned. Yeah, I mean, the season opens with the St. Sennans AC Open cross country the end of September. Um, usually kickstarts the whole uh, cross country programme. And it's a good indication for clubs as well as where they stand because the competition would be very high given that you've got um, people coming in from Munster, Leinster, and even some Connacht and Dublin. So, yeah, that would be the kickstart. And then um, the weekend before last, the 2nd of October, we had the county seniors and the even-age juveniles. And then yesterday, we had the county uneven-age juveniles and the novice championships. So, um, yeah, all very contrasting events, but, yeah, lots and lots of good competitive action. Yeah, um, and just to speak a little bit about yesterday then uh, and the the competition that took place yesterday uh, under very tough conditions, but I'm sure that that's uh, nothing that uh, is unfamiliar to them. Yeah, I suppose that's kind of debatable these days because the last few um, years we've actually, okay, you've had COVID in the intervening period, but I mean, you know, if you look over the last decade, you know, the weather hasn't been that too bad for cross country. So I suppose the cross country weather phrase could be kind of, um, you know, redefined at this stage. Now, yesterday was horrendous conditions. Um, there just was no let up from, you know, early morning rain upon rain, um, you know, kids doing maybe races for the first time, unfortunately got a really poor introduction to um, athletics and it certainly doesn't encourage them to do cross country when your first race is in torrential rain like that. So, but look, it, it is cross country and you just have to take it with whichever way it comes. I mean, you can have a downpour in the middle of track season as well. It's just a few degrees warmer. But, you know, the, the race was held in Castlecomer. It's in a field. Um, you know, it's called cross country and that's what it is. Yeah. And Perry, what kind of an impact does it have on people's time then? And like, you know, I, I always think whenever I see, you know, cross country happening in those kind of conditions as well, I always think, God, they, they'll obviously have to be very careful now about um, trying to prevent injury, like twisting an ankle or even something more sinister. So I'm sure that's something that they're all very conscious of and aware of is uh, trying to prevent injury happening when you're when you're running in those types of conditions. Well, I suppose the first thing is that, you know, the course is usually vetted by the club and you're not going to put 
a championships in a field where um, an athlete is going to have you know a possibility of being injured so if you are running in a field you know the field is going to be very much athletic friendly of course it's going to have long grass of course it's going to have hills and there'll be other little things to navigate but there's never going to be a course where you're actually putting the athletes in a compromising position with regards to injuries um, so that one kind of has been nipped in the bud ever before um, a race takes place but um, in terms of you know what they're facing and you spoke about times nobody worries too much about times during the cross country season it's more about how you finish and how, how well you raced and I suppose to many to many athletes it's about the strategy of their races as well although the younger ages really don't kind of bring strategy into it they just race from the gun but um, yeah look I, look everyone would have been out there they would have been out to win the major impact on the race would have been mostly in terms of numbers you get a bad day you don't get the same volume of people coming to the race as you would in a good day and that's mostly because they're all quite new to it at a younger age group at the older age groups you know the impact tends to be less they know what cross country is at that stage you just get out and run and if the elements aren't in your favour you just have to navigate them as best you can because it's the same for everybody running that same race the yeah. only thing yet with yesterday is that I suppose we were very unfortunate in the sense that we started at 11 o'clock and from the moment we started it was raining whereas in other counties like Kildare and Louth the weather was travelling upwards and they managed to start at 11 o'clock and run their whole championships without any rain so we were just unfortunate being south on this occasion. Uh, speaking of numbers there as well Perry I, I was reading that the numbers in the novice race for the ladies competition was especially poor this year why was that do you think? Well novice is a very kind of special competition anyhow and the rules are that if you are in the top three in the novice and in the winning team that you're no longer eligible so it's one of these races where not everybody has the opportunity to do it like anyone who was in the top three this year and the winning team they're gone from it and they won't be able to do novice again for a number of years so if you look at the novice compared to the senior race previous year there is no limitation on the senior race anybody can do it every year as long as you're registered so the novice and the intermediate then are going to be those ones where it is possible to be eliminated. It's kind of like hurling, you know. If you win, if you win a, a you know a county junior, well you're obviously upgraded. The difference, I suppose, in athletics is that you're not just upgraded for one or two years. Um, it goes on for a number of years. Okay. So, you know, that's going to be one of the factors. The wet day is going to be another factor. And look, I suppose the reality is in most most sports will realise this, that when it comes to girls from 17, 18 onwards into senior level, you don't get the same numbers as you do in men. And is it down to as well, uh, Perry, just some people having a preference for road racing as opposed to the cross country? Yeah, that definitely is a factor. I mean, Athletics Ireland are trying to do their best to mitigate that whole thing about road racing because there are an awful lot of road races that are run and they don't have permits and you know anybody can run a road race but I mean even dare I say this in an interview but I mean like you know an athletic club or an athletic county board couldn't run a hurling match or they couldn't do a soccer match or a basketball match so while it's free for all with the with running road races we have limitations and unfortunately everybody else's opportunity is our limitation and we have to manage that the best that we can and Athletics Ireland's way of managing it is they are now going to put an extra two euro onto everybody's entry if you're not a member of Athletics Ireland. 
and that's you know through companies like My Run Results and so forth. But you know, it, it's look, it's up to it's up to athletics to manage that. And if you're a member of an athletic club, it's up to the coaches and to the management of that club to say, look, we want a team this Sunday, and this is what we want to have. You're our members, and um, this is the race you need to do. So that is a purely an interclub thing to actually manage that with their members. Okay, and tell me about the big winners then yesterday, Parry. How did everyone get on? Yeah, so um, St. Sennans won the novice um, men's race, uh, first time in many years, um, with the St. Sennans 1-2 and Garode Long and David Williams. So that was a big achievement for the club. There was no teams in the novice ladies, but we did have two very good athletes. Emma Lawler won the race and uh, Alexia Albertino was second which, you know, reversed the positions that those two athletes had in the under-18 the previous week. Um, so, you know, that was quite good for them to get a race against each other and know that, you know, they're as good as one another. Um, in terms of the juveniles, then, we had some very, very um, exciting competitions. I suppose the girls, the boys under um, 14 was a really good race. Um, sorry, the boys under 13 and 15 were really good races. The under-13s, you had four athletes who kind of broke away at the start. And, you know, for most of that race, it could have been any one of the four of them that would have taken the honours. Um, as it turned out, it boils down to Zach Fenton of St. Sennans and Aaron Carrigan of Gorn um, for the top spot. Um, it was Aaron Carrigan, who's actually, you know, a year younger, uh, won the race. And, um, you know, it was very, because there was a lot of Gordon and a lot of St. Sennans neck and neck throughout the field, um, if anybody's game for who was going to take the winning team, as it turned out, Gordon took the winning team by, I think it was two points from St. Sennans. So that's going to be an exciting race in the Leinsters to see how both teams get on. Um, boys under 15 then you know again really good race um, chemistry of ACH very very strong and even though Connor uh, Carroll pushed him um, you know he, he Kel is the, the under 14 champion he really proved his worth yesterday um, and we had a good race from Hugo Tierney from Barra Harriers there as well in third place um, in terms of the girls I suppose the girls under 17 um, we had a great race. Alex, um, Christina Captain Martin, a new Spanish girl studying here for um, for a period of time. She was the winner from the previous weekend, and I suppose she was the favourite. Um, unfortunately for her, the St. Sennans girls weren't too happy being beaten the previous week, and they were all out to to try and take their stamp their domain on it, and they did. Um, Eve Dunphy had an incredible race to actually take the top honour spot in that and St. Sennans had first and second team. Um, and they're just some of the races. I mean, it'd be very unfair to me, I suppose, to say that these are the most amazing races of the day. They certainly were very exciting races, but every single race was brilliant in terms of, you know, some athletes who were expected, they won, others then who were totally unexpected, they came out and did the better. And even down through the fields, there were some very good challenges and some athletes making county teams who previously never expected to. So, you know, down the fields, there's there's some honours there too. Our county senior was the previous weekend and normally it would be the next event coming up. Um, that was a really, really good competition. Um, KCH on this occasion got both the senior men's and the senior women's team. And in fact, just to mention on the senior men's team, it's their 12th consecutive win for KCH. So that's that's an incredible achievement in itself. With the ladies, um, St. Sennans had the previous five consecutive wins and it was KCH's turn this time to take it over. 
Um, they had the individual winners in both races too, um, with um, Ger Ford retaining his title in 2021 in the men's. And we had a new winner, um, Maeve Richardson, in the uh, women's race. Um, she, she, I suppose, came from... Um, won't say came from nowhere, but it certainly would have been expected that with Brona Kearns being injured, that Lauren Darmody would have been the favourite. So Maeve was definitely a surprise winner from that point of view. Brilliant. Look, going forward then. Sorry, going forward then. Um, just we have the Leinster's coming up in two weeks' time. Um, that's going to be held in Dundalk, and that's the Leinster uneven age. Sorry, the Leinster even ages, and the novice and junior. And then the following two weeks, then St. Sennans AC are hosting the Leinster even ages and senior, and that's going to be held in Mountain View, in um, Ballyhale. Terrific venue. Ah, brilliant stuff. So there's lots to look forward to there. Uh, listen, always a pleasure speaking to you, Perry. Um, and look, we'll we'll definitely have you on again in the next couple of weeks. But look after yourself and I'll talk to you again soon. Great, and delighted to have to be able to speak to you. That was, uh, that was Perry Williams there. Um, she was speaking to me about uh, all of the cross-country that was happening in Kilkenny over the last three weeks. We're going to take a quick ad break now. And coming up after the break, we're going to be speaking to Marble City Boxing Club's Gary Kyo. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Welcome back to Full Time with myself, Sinead Kyo. Now, I am delighted to be joined on the line by Gary Kyo from Marble City Boxing Club to tell me about the return of the eagerly anticipated Mar- Marble City League returned uh, to the club on Friday. Uh, Gary, how are you doing? Sinead, how are things? Not too bad. Gary, for anyone that's not familiar with the league, maybe you could just describe it to us and um, just how long it's been going on and how long, it, I know it kicked off there on Friday, how long it will go on for? Yeah, look, the league, Sinead, it, it, it's been something that the club have run since probably 2005. Um, so it's going on quite a long time. Um, but I suppose, look, in the last number of years, it's just been taken to a whole new level. Um we have clubs coming from all over Ireland. So last week, our Friday just gone, was the first uh, week of the league. And we had six clubs from all over the country. We had clubs coming from uh, Wexford, Tullamore, um, Tipperary. Um, and we had clubs from Dublin as well. So next week now we have Limerick, um, we have Belfast. There's clubs just travelling from all over Ireland. Because look, it is one of the most competitive leagues in Ireland. Um, it's run very efficiently. And we have two rings in operation at the one time. We're getting through roughly thirty to forty fights per night, um, and there's look. It, it's just it's a spectacular event to attend um, and, and to witness some excellent boxing. Yeah, um, and, and Gary, I know that you've a couple of other big events coming up. Maybe just briefly before we finish up, uh, you could just tell us uh, about those. I know you're heading down to my part of the country very soon, down to Wexford, um, and I think you've thirteen or fourteen boxers going down to that. That's correct. Yeah. So the Wexford Box Club is on the the 11th to the 13th of November so we actually are sending down a team of 13 boxers um, again it'll be a huge event we'll be boxers travelling from all over Europe to it um, it'll be a great experience for our younger boxers a lot of boxers um, will be travelling down to compete in their first competition so look it'll be a great experience for them yeah looking forward to that one um, listen Gary thanks so much I uh, wish I had more time with you but next time we have you on uh, we'll, we'll dive uh, further into to all that's that's coming up on the calendar there for Mill City Boxing Club but thanks so much for joining me on the show today 
perfect thanks for that Jeanette. thank you that was uh, Gary Kyo there from the Marble City Boxing Club I'm afraid that's all we have time for I hope you enjoyed the show uh, we have Own Carey coming up next for Fully Loaded just before we end the show I just do want to read out one final text that we got in there after our discussion with Aidan Fogarty uh, penalties it's an absolute disgrace still no one has come back to confirm if it would happen in a senior county final uh, there was no penalty either so uh, someone that feels really strongly about uh, what happened there in the uh, one of the junior finals um, at the weekend uh, so look that's all we have time for we'll talk to you again on full time next week Carlo Kilkenny KCLR